Music can name the unnameable and communicate the unknowable. A quote from Leonard Bernstein. He was born 100 years ago this year, and at the National Philharmonic, he's the focus of the season, starting with the presentation of the orchestra playing the score to On the Waterfront while the film is shown. Music director Peter Gajewski was a Leonard Bernstein conducting fellow at Tanglewood in the summer of 1983 and has many fond memories of working with the great conductor and composer. In the next concert of the season, three works that Bernstein conducted bring that collaboration between Bernstein and Gajewski to life. Hello, I'm Marilyn Cooley with this introduction to the National Philharmonic's concert, Lenny's Playlist. The concert opens with the overture to Mozart's opera, The Magic Flute. And when Bernstein recorded it on October 29, 1966, it was for a live broadcast concert by the New York Philharmonic. Both Mozart and the librettist Schikaneder were Freemasons, and the number three figures prominently in that culture. The overture begins with three bold chords. And the number three continues to appear. The three ladies the three boys, the key of E-flat with its signature of three flats. All of these are Masonic references, as are the trials endured by the hero Tamino and the emphasis on brotherhood. The main theme of a series of emphatic repeated eighth notes is treated in a somewhat fugal manner throughout the overture, appearing first in one instrument and then another and then another... When Bernstein recorded the Barber Violin Concerto with Isaac Stern in 1964, it was the first recording on a major label of this American masterpiece. It's since become a significant entry in the violin concerto repertoire. This was composed just a few years after Barber's most famous piece, the Adagio for Strings, and you can hear a similar, although much sunnier, lyricism in the first movement. The second movement begins with an extended oboe solo, but when the violin sings its beautiful melody, it's a gorgeous tribute to that instrument's exquisite voice.
Barber wrote the concerto on a commission for a Curtis classmate. In the end, that violinist, Iso Briselli, and particularly his teacher, believed the concerto to be unsuitable. Evidently, in particular, the short but demanding final movement was considered musically inappropriate to a great concerto. It's a quick perpetual motion journey. Our soloist for this concert, by the way, is the young Bulgarian-born virtuosa Bela Hristova, who went to the Curtis Institute, as did Samuel Barber. When Leonard Bernstein toured the Soviet Union with the New York Philharmonic in 1959, Shostakovich attended their performance of his Fifth Symphony. Bernstein completely reimagined the last movement, taking it at a much faster pace than the composer indicated. On Bernstein's score, in the archives of the New York Philharmonic, he has scratched out the tempo of 88 and written in 100 at the beginning of the last movement. Shostakovich apparently approved. He said, I was very taken with the performance of my fifth symphony by the talented Leonard Bernstein. I liked it that he played the end of the finale significantly faster than is customary. And the last movement is particularly important in this work that was written in 1937, at the height of Stalin's authoritarian purges and artistic suppression. Shostakovich had been denounced, and in the press he was declared an enemy of the people. He was so fearful that at times he slept in the hallway outside his apartment in order not to disturb his family when he was, he believed, inevitably taken away and murdered for his artistic voice. With this Fifth Symphony, he attempted to repent in the eyes of the authorities while still speaking of the oppressive atmosphere of his time. The opening notes seem to suggest both hope and despair. In the second movement, a military theme has a hint of sarcasm. The third movement is so poignant that many in the audience wept at the premiere of this requiem. The finale was supposed to indicate a celebration, meeting the official requirement for upbeat music, but it can be heard as a forced happiness. Years after the symphony was written, the composer reportedly said, I think it's clear to everyone what happens in the fifth. The rejoicing is forced, created under threat. 
It's as if someone were beating you with a stick and saying, Your business is rejoicing. Your business is rejoicing. Lenny's Playlist by the National Philharmonic gives us a glimpse of the great diversity of Leonard Bernstein's recording career, all presented by one of his students, Maestro Peter Gajewski. And remember, in keeping with Bernstein's role as an educator, the National Philharmonic's concerts are all free for all kids ages 7 to 17 all the time. There's more information at nationalphilharmonic.org. I'm Marilyn Cooley. Thanks for joining me for this National Philharmonic introduction to the concert Lenny's Playlist.